Hello and welcome back to Sense and Spirituality. My name is Sheila McGregor and it is good to have your company. This is our final study of Marcus Borg's book, Reading the Bible Again for the First Time. Today we turn to the most fascinating but also the most violent and greatly misunderstood book of the New Testament. Indeed, some, like Borg's colleague John Dominic Crossan, have even argued that this is the most violent book among the canons of all world religions, containing as it does both gendered violence and a deep celibate misogyny. Borg quotes biblical scholar Raymond Brown saying that revelation is wildly popular for the wrong reasons. Let's take a look. The first thing we need to note, says Borg, is that Revelation is not a blueprint for the future of our world. It is rather a form of apocalypse, a literary genre used by both Jews and Christians. The name Revelation derives from the Latin word that is the equivalent of the Greek word apocalypse, which means an unveiling or a revealing. Apocalyptic literature was not unusual, but was a common literary genre for its day. It is therefore one that we need to understand if we are going to interpret Revelation properly. For example, suppose you were to read about a highly sensitive biological project that could leak a new strain of bacteria into the atmosphere and could destroy life as we know it. Your reaction to the piece would depend on whether you found it in a Stephen King novel or on the front page of the London Free Press or the Toronto Globe and Mail. In other words, context is everything. Apocalyptic literature is usually characterized by the following features. It is normally synonymous, synonymous except in this case where we are told uh, the author is John of Patmos, although we don't know anything about him. And moreover, he's not to be confused with the author of the gospel or of the letters, nor is he to be confused with the disciple of Jesus. Apocalyptic writers describe bizarre visions of a prophet who is taken on a tour of heaven or shown the fate of the earth or both. Such literature is characterized by wildly symbolic, colorful, and even bizarre language. Moreover, and this is important, the words are directed to the people of the author's own day, who are experiencing inordinate hardship and suffering, as well as those who have become lax in their religious practices. Finally, they are designed to offer hope by showing that Contrary to all appearances, God is in control and will soon intervene to right the world's wrongs. Borg offers a brief summary of the book of Revelation on pages 269 to 272 of his book, which I encourage you to read. Basically, as he notes, the book describes a series of disturbing visions after an opening vision of the risen Christ, John is instructed to write letters to each of the seven churches of Asia Minor, detailing their successes and failures and urging them to remain committed to Christ. He is then miraculously transported to heaven, where he is shown the future course of the earth's catastrophic history. 
Borg writes that there are basically two very different ways of reading Revelation. There is the futurist or millennialist way of reading Revelation, and there is the past historical interpretation. According to the futurist interpretation, the book is an outline of what is still to come. The events described in Revelation have not yet happened. Moreover, since the Bible is considered to be the inspired word of God, the events described in the book are events that will happen in the future. Those who read the book in this way often look for signs of the end times in the world. People are urged to heed these signs, believe in Jesus, and so be saved from the future wrath. A very different way of reading Revelation demands that we read it in its historical and cultural context. This is the past historical interpretation. According to this view, the book is not about the distant future, but rather about what has already happened, is happening, and will happen in the immediate future to the people of the author's own day. Specifically, it is written for seven churches in Asia Minor that are facing a variety of challenges. Significantly, the author expects the imminent second coming of Jesus. Borg says that both ways of reading Revelation are wrong. They represent um, uh, a misconception um, about what is going to happen. Among the larger themes he identifies is one fact of paramount importance. Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. For example, throughout the book, the author paints a graphic picture of a conflict between two different lordships, the brutal and unjust lordship of the Roman emperor, Caesar, and the compassionate and just lordship of the Galilean, Jesus. The story often reads like something out of Star Wars, which is not far off, given that this kind of cosmic combat myth is something that has been found in all cultures since ancient times. In John's story, the dragon is the Roman Empire, and the great whore of Babylon is symbolic of the city of Rome. Using highly symbolic language, John attacks Rome for three primary reasons. First, as Borg notes, Rome was a ferocious beast ruling through intimidation and violence. While persecution in John's day was not as widespread as it had been, John certainly knew about those who, like Jesus and Paul, had suffered under the cruel arm of Rome. Secondly, Rome had grown incredibly wealthy through its exploitation of the masses of people within the empire. As a result, many were left impoverished and struggling for existence. Finally, there were Rome's claims to religious legitimation. The empire claimed that its domination was the will of the gods, that it was by divine will that they were ruling. In short, John's colorful yet disturbing and bizarre writing may be seen as a virulent attack on the domination system of the Roman Empire, which pretended to have divine ordination. 
In contrast, he paints a picture of what the true kingdom of God will be like. It will be like the holy city, the new Jerusalem. The celestial city will be a place of unimagined blessings, where all will live in harmony with one another. A universal and egalitarian society, all nations will walk by its light, and there will be no more night and no more suffering. There, every tear shall be wiped away. In its midst, we shall see the face of God. This concludes our study of Borg's book. I hope you have found it helpful. Borg himself sums up what he sees to be the core of the biblical vision of life with God. He notes that while there are a variety of voices present in the scriptures, each shares the following convictions. One, God who is holy mystery is not only real, but knowable. Two, Christianity is not about belief, but rather it is about a relationship with God. As such, it means becoming intentional about deepening that relationship and centering ourselves in God. Three, and finally, God is all about compassion and justice, which means not only caring for the victims of injustice, but also for us. It means asking questions about why people suffer and then doing something to end their suffering. To this end, may we resolve through prayer and meditation on the scriptures to deepen our relationship with God and with God's grace and through acts of justice and compassion, strive together to build the holy city, God's dream for humankind. That's it for this week, friends. See you next Friday.